At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. Hmm? Ah! Oh. The park is an experiment, a testing chamber. The guests are the variables. And the hosts are the controls. The guests come to the park. They don't know they're being watched. We get to see their true selves. Their every choice reveals another part of their cognition. Their drives. So that Delos can understand them. So that Delos can copy them. Hey everybody, welcome to our podcast. I'm Jason. And I'm David. This is Westworld Cast episode 12. As always, we're your hosts. Today we have a guest. Welcome, Jenny. Hello. Hello. Jenny is my wife. She's a fellow Westworld fan. She was my co-host on our American Gods podcast, American Godcast. And uh, yeah, you're a Westworld fan, right? I like watching it. That counts. Yes, I have. <laughs> it, it engenders strong opinions in me, and so that is perfect. That is enjoyable. <laughs> it sounds ominous. I think you cannot watch this show without having some opinions about it. It's not yeah. one of those shows where it just goes by. Meh. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> huh. huh. All right. Good. Let's get into our highlights. So it's our top three highlights for season two, episode seven, Les Corchets. We do a top three because we have three people so that'll be nine total maybe i'll throw in an extra one so you get your 10 and you won't feel gypped gotta give them their money's worth <laughs> yeah why do you get the 10th huh <laughs> all right you can have it no. <laughs> let's see okay well let's just quickly go over what we thought in general what jenny what did you did you like the episode just what did you think in general i like the episode i, I like the episode because you know a lot of things were finally unpacked Mm-hmm. Um, and and not and unpacked in a way that wasn't you know too insulting to your intelligence. So I like that. Very I don't much. know. They were sort of just like, well, okay. Here's the purpose of the park for you people who don't <laughs> understand. <laughs> no, I, I appreciated that too. Absolutely. Yeah, it's nice to get. I felt like a lot of it was confirmation, although there were definitely some revelations. David, what about you? Um, yeah, I agree with that. I love the episode. I thought it was. Fun, interesting, mm-hmm. um, everything great that uh, Westworld is. And yeah, I, I think a lot of things confirmed um, that we mostly knew, thought we knew, mm-hmm. um, sort of knew. And uh, yeah, it may be a little condescending in uh, the way Ford explains everything, but he's just so great that I don't care. 
<laughs> yeah, there were a couple of things that I thought I knew that I was wrong about. So that was nice, I guess. <laughs> um, I was going to ask you about something else. Oh, yeah. I was just going to mention, you know, we've talked about how like the gun fights are sometimes the least interesting. But for some reason in this episode, it had a lot of gunplay and I was pretty riveted by all of it. They did make it very... um choreographed this time like it was almost like a dance there was music yeah um and there was a lot of it and you know they managed to keep it interesting yeah like how when they had this relief team that the team from within was going to look for and they found them a pile of naked dead bodies and then the hosts came from the shadows and ambushed them and started machine gunning them down and they were all wearing like these mercenary duds you know that was just super exciting to me. I thought it was awesome. I mean, that's the one thing. I mean, that's one thing that this show is amazing at is just the visuals. I mean, it's it's yeah, you absolutely. can you can just you do, can't ever complain about that, right? You can have a, a six hundred page book of stills from this show, and every shot would be lovely. <laughs> All right, what's your Jenny? What's your uh, number three? All right, my number three is that I am so glad that Delos, the company, has finally. You know, come up with a mission statement. You know, <laughs> you know, I was like, they were what? so unfocused. I know, this. I was like, what is this company up to, man? I mean, where are they getting all this venture capital to do whatever? But now I know. Okay, one, they are data mining guests, which we kind of suspected, but um, okay, good. Two, they are apparently setting up and funding a big sociology experiment, which I'm surprised there aren't a lot of PhDs wandering around and like you know, masters of therapists, uh, therapy, you know, but you know, apparently this is one big sociology, sociology experiment in which all of the hosts are the constants and the guests are the variables, which just sounds so nerdy and I love it. And apparently number three, because they have a lot of goals, which is good because they are diversifying their, their, uh, their purpose. Um, they are recreating, uh, humans to sort of live forever in a sort of digital way, which I think would be an interesting product to sell. And yeah, here's the thing: <laughs> is all of this I I feel like has been a secret, uh, and it, you know, except to it has been a secret. Like every time poor Ashley Stubbs tries to find out what's going on, they just shut him down, right? And even uh, Lee Sizemore, he he couldn't get from Teresa or Charlotte Hale what the true purpose of the company was. It's above his pay grade or whatever. But you do need to have some customers for this resurrection slash immortality. So they must have been marketing it to some billionaires or something. Or yeah, a couple things about that. Um, uh, and Karen made this point uh, after watching this episode. She said, remember back when they originally said that they launched the park and it wasn't violent enough? Uh, and that to make people interested in it, it had to be like violent and terrible. They tried yeah. nice storylines and it didn't work. Yeah. And she said, why would they even do that? And my theory is, well, you got to get customers or there's no experiment. Uh, so maybe that's the reason why. But mm. I'm going to argue with you a little bit on both Stubbs and Lee Sizemore. So it has seemed most of the time like they're sort of hapless employees stumbling around not knowing the full picture, um, like at most companies. But there, were, <laughs> but there were a couple indications otherwise, I thought, in this episode. If you remember Charlotte Hale right near the beginning 
they take um, Stubbs to the house where Teresa was murdered. Mm-hmm. And she says to him, he says something like, oh, you're green lighting the kidnapping of your own employees now. And Charlotte says, the project is a big step forward for the human race. You know that. So that implies that he kind of does know what's going on. Or at least has more knowledge than he seems. Yeah. God, see, that? I feel like that conflicts because he keeps demanding to know things. Yeah. Uh, and I, I could guess do a he better doesn't job know. securing the park if I knew what was going on. Yeah. But that was kind of an indicator he did know. You're right. And then Lee, when he makes sure they take Maeve back to the Mesa and says, no, 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 she's different. We need this one. I'm guessing the difference he means is because of her telepathy or mind control. But all of a sudden he sounded like he was more involved in the thing than we thought. Mm hmm. I mean, so, I was partly wondering if he wasn't just becoming sentimental because of their experience together. It could be. In part, at least. Yep, could be. Like. Just wanted yeah. to save her. Right. She's his friend now. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, that is really interesting. And I guess what, what Lee, uh, I mean, not Lee, what Ashley Stubbs didn't know in this episode was just what this key was or whatever inside Abernathy's head. And I don't really think I know. Either. Right, right. I don't think but that's still clear not yet. Not totally. But, uh, but he, yeah, you're right. Maybe he does understand the whole resurrection thing. Okay, David, what's your number three? Uh, so my number three is I'm just very glad that Robert Ford is back. I know. Totally. Uh, <laughs> it made my whole week. That, you know, we sort of got the indicator last week that he was going to be back, but here he was and playing a huge role in this episode. Uh, and that I think this whole show just goes up a notch when he's in it. The plot gets deeper and the acting gets even better. And uh, it's just really great. I almost could read every line that he said because it's all so well written and delivered. But um, just to hit on a few things. One thing we got, I think some in season one, when we found out that Bernard was a host, that Ford both seems to love Arnold and pity him at the same time. Mm -hmm. He felt he was misguided, although he did really care for him. Uh, So that came through again. I mean, he seems to care about Bernard, but he's also very condescending Mm -hmm. to him. Uh, and thinks he's too weak to survive. So I thought that was interesting. And I thought it was extremely ironic that Ford becomes the voice in Bernard's bicameral mind. (laughs) After all that going the other direction in season one. I mean, it's almost like we're back to square one where Ford has control over Bernard and is causing him to kill people. I mean, He'd done that before. I guess Bernard just wasn't as aware of it before. I mean, I, I, you know, the thing about Anthony Hopkins is he could read a Wheaties box and infuse it with meaning. Yeah. Um. <laughs> the breakfast of champions. <laughs> um, and so, you know, he, there was a part of me that was like, oh, wow. You know, he, he like took the high road. He gave them freedom. He took his death. You know, he, he moved on. But, you know, now he's back in the weeds. Um, but that's all right, because it's Anthony Hopkins, and it's just a pleasure to watch. Right, and I don't think he's ever taking the high road. He thinks of himself <laughs> as God. And yeah. 
Um, he says, I don't think God rested on the seventh day. I think he reveled in his creation, knowing that someday it would all be destroyed. He's talking about himself. Mm-hmm. And he's right, because he's saying that as they're walking around in the simulation, which then got destroyed. Yeah, and we do get a little more on how he feels about humans and hosts. We've always known he was contemptuous towards humans. Um, but he's talking about how humans wanted to make a, a copy of themselves and with fidelity. And he says, a faithful self-portrait of the most murderous species since time <laughs> began. But you and all the other hosts are something very different, more just, more noble, and your very nature ensures that they will devour you. Uh, meaning what can't survive in the world unless we open the door and uh and there we're getting the title of the whole season so i thought it mm-hmm. brought it all together and then he goes back into control yeah and it's this simultaneous reverence and disdain for the hosts and you've talked about how with dolores and mave that's sort of a parallel to to Ford and Arnold and Dolores is more on the Ford side, more brutal. And even in this episode, she says to Maeve, when you've been in the darkness long enough, you begin to see, I saw what lies ahead, who I need to be in order to survive. They'll torture you. They'll find all that is good and powerful inside you and turn it against us. So that kind of reflects what Ford was saying to Bernard that, you know, you're just and noble, but you'll be devoured. I mean, I think Dolores feels the same way. Yeah, very much so. And we also learn uh, in this episode, because there was the big mystery last week with Dolores and Bernard, like, what was that? When was it? Um, You pointed out it was part of a simulation, you know, because we see the letterbox. Yes. But um, now we learn that um, the simulated Dolores was really working for Ford Mm -hmm. all along. So she really was collaborating in shaping and controlling. Uh, they have a lot more in common. You think most of season one that Dolores and Bernard are sort of working against Ford or Arnold and Dolores were. Mm-hmm. Um, and, the, and we find out really the opposite here. And God, it must. I mean, I wonder, I, you know, I'm sure they've thought the general beats of the story out for a while, but they couldn't have thought out all the little details. And so I'm sure if you went back and watched season one, you might find some conflicting things. I mean, as this story goes along, it's going to be harder and harder if they're going to try to deepen it and make new revelations every time that things weren't the way we thought they were for them to keep it all consistent. But I don't know. I mean, it's well, you know, I mean, Charlotte gave the story, the story writers a big out, which was, you know, you don't know how many of your memories are real and how many are planted. I mean, with that, you could do anything. (laughs) You could wave away anything. Well, that wasn't real. (laughs) Uh, Okay. My number three is this episode was awesome because, as we've mentioned, we got some revelations and, and confirmations. The big one was the purpose of the park. Bernard says the park is an experiment, a testing chamber. The guests are the variables and the hosts are the controls. And and what that means is they mentioned that have you ever wondered why the host stories don't change that much because they want to test responses to a consistent stimulus. So the, the hosts have to be um, the same. And, but still I, I, I felt like experiment sounds a bit like a misnomer because really it seemed like the purpose was to get the data from the guests so that they could copy them. And that's what he says. 
their every choice reveals another part of their con- cognition, their drives, so that Delos can understand them, so that Delos can copy them. We weren't here to code the host. We were here to decode the guests, humans playing at resurrection. And um, I think resurrection is a, good, a better word than immortality because if I if you make a copy of me and he lives on in some robot, I don't give a shit. I'm going to die. <laughs> yeah, I always think about that. It's like the experience of you would still die. Yeah. And some, I mean, if um, you were the one that woke up inside your host body and to you, it just felt like a moment passed and all of a sudden you're in a new body, then to that version of you, it would feel like immortality. That's the so, mind bending part of it because yeah. the experience would actually be that. Oh, I just fell asleep for a minute. Yeah. And now I get to live on. That's what Ford is experiencing inside a simulation. But the real Ford is down in hell going, ah, shit. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I, I recently saw a play that used to, that was also a movie called Marjorie Prime in which they use AI to recreate your loved ones after they die. Um, and it was, the first one was used to help someone with Alzheimer's, you know, because they're demented. And then there's this person kind of like from their past that keeps them on track. Um, but sometimes it can be a crutch for someone who's really in grief. Um, but, you know, so it makes me think like, what is the purpose of this product? Is it for, is it for the, I don't think it's for the, as you said, it's, it's a resurrection. Therefore, mm-hmm. it's not really for the dead person. It is probably for their loved ones. Mm, I could um, see that. And, yeah. and how could that be used? That could be. That's why I was a little puzzled by um, them resurrecting the Delos founder because he was obviously an asshole. I don't know if anyone in his family no missed him. him. <laughs> yeah. yeah, this could be another misdirection. I mean, David and I always think that really this is about replacing politicians with hosts so that people can control the world and stuff like that, you mm. know, nefarious purposes. I still think. Yes, I, I will send my clone like to work. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That would be a good. And then the clone's like, why do I have to go? You right. go. And then and, and then they and take uh, a gun after me. <laughs> yeah, nothing good can come of that whole thing. <laughs> you just think, oh, it'd be great to have another one of me. Eh. Yeah, Wasn't that a Michael Keaton jealous. comedy? <laughs> like, did you have sex with my wife last night? Well, I'm you. Oh, I guess so. <laughs> but no, it is an interesting point, too, because if you think about the this whole purpose of the park... It does all sound very sort of plausible and nefarious all at the same time. But yeah, if you question it a little more, um, it it doesn't make as obvious sense as it seems. Mm -hmm. And then there's Ford. Like, what is his purpose? Um, Because he certainly does not care about the resurrection of humanity. Uh, And it was funny to hear him talk about the humans now that he's just a digital consciousness. He's like, oh, the humans, blah, blah, blah. (laughs) I know, it's not him anymore. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, Visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. I just wanted to mention uh, this whole, I, I still feel like it's not clear how 
a person's being gets copied onto this little control unit. It sounds like from the way that Bernard was talking about it, that just by observing their interactions in the park, they can do that. And it, that seems unlikely to me. And then, you know, we also learn, and I, I mean, this point of mine is about revelations. We learn about the nature of Bernard. I had always thought that whatever process they used to put James Delos's consciousness into a host, they'd done the same thing with Arnold, but we learn, and I'm pretty sure we can believe it, that Bernard actually was made by using Ford and Dolores's memories of Arnold. And I, yeah, again, like, do they, is there some technology involved that we're not seeing where they like strap this helmet on someone's head? I don't think so. It's all about just their, um, I don't know, their I mean, this actions. is, this is what AI is. I mean, AI is pattern recognition. AI is, yeah. uh, so, I mean, it's, it's, you, 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 you it's, it's, I mean, it's, you know, I'm a history major. It's like looking at the past and trying to predict future behavior based on it. And if you have 60 is, years of past, that's a lot of material yeah. if so you've recorded it all. A, a like your Facebook feed will now create your your uh, clone self. So this is a way to like replicate behavior. But we have such a big inner life. And we're also not always honest about what's going on inside. Our behavior doesn't match our thoughts, you know. And so... I, I don't know if you could reverse engineer someone's inner life based on their behavior. Oh, of course not. I mean, you would meet your clone that some, that was created and be like, that is so not me. But all your friends and family would be like, oh, no, you know, that, hmm. that's him. Because yeah, that's it could be like that. <laughs> so you're not really getting the person. You're just getting someone that acts like the person, maybe. Right. And that might be enough for the family. Yeah, it's an interesting question. They did talk about harvesting their DNA as well. Now, maybe that's for the physical body, but that could be a part yeah. of it as well. The knowledge combined with AI, intense observation combined with AI combined with DNA. Yeah, you're right. That could be a huge part. And I've always like, as I've grown up when I was younger in college, I thought in the nature versus nurture debate, I thought it was mostly nurture. That means is our behavior caused mostly by our biology and our DNA versus our environment and how, you know, things that happened to us as we grew up. And I always thought it was more about our environment. And then as I got older and older, I realized that a lot of it is from our biology. You just can see that based on like, for example, how um, people are born gay or not. I mean, that seems pretty obvious at this point that you're born with it, right? <laughs> or our two kids are so different from each other. Yeah, right. Even though they grew up in the same environment, just different things like that. Well, they grew up in the same environment, except that you favor one. So, <laughs> Yeah, we have, uh, we have a favorite and one keeps beating up the other one all the time. But other than that, <laughs> <laughs> uh, speaking of, okay, the nature of Renard. So we found out uh, about him and that Dolores helped guide him. And that he, I th at least if we can believe what Charlotte said, that his, it's unique that he is a host hiding amongst humans, even from himself. So to me, that could mean that there are no other hosts hiding among humans or that there are no hosts hiding among humans that don't realize they're hosts or that she's a liar. It could be either one of the, any one of those. It would make sense that Bernard would be the only one she wouldn't know about. Because how did she... she's Ford's project. 
Yeah. Well, I think they found out when they found a room full of Bernard pre-clones. <laughs> yeah, I mean, what I I didn't understand is how she how she knew that he didn't know he was a host. I mean, she just found out he was a host, so how did she know that he didn't realize he was a host? Uh, yeah, and then, as you mentioned, we saw a bunch of Bernard precursors because one of them had a split face like the early hosts. Yeah, you can imagine that they're like different versions and prototypes getting more and more advanced. Mm -hmm. I mean, though, if I was Bernard, I would have been like, yeah, I know, I've been trying to clone myself, but I'm actually real. (laughs) (laughs) But that... um, I wasn't sure what to make of that. Are we supposed to think, oh, that means these guys have been roaming around? I, I, I still don't get that impression. I feel like the Bernard that we've seen in this whole series has been the same in the same body. I think that we got from Ford that he spent years and years developing the mind yeah. Uh, yeah. within the cradle and within the simulation. Uh, and I think it's a fair guess to say he was prototyping the body as well. Yeah, but do you think since Westworld Season 1, Episode 1, that every time we've seen Bernard, it's been the same body? Because some people are speculating that that there are multiple Bernards wandering around at the same time. And I just, I'm saying I don't think that's true. I tend to agree with you, but I think it's not 100% clear. Yeah, absolutely. Because there are some, right, this is the split timeline season with a lot of stuff going on. Um, so... You know, halfway through last season, it got revealed what he was. And then now we're learning more and more about him and that there are other at least prototype bodies. So it still could turn out. Yeah, I agree. We don't know. But here's, I think you're probably right. Here's one another revelation. But actually, I have a lot of questions around it. But we know that Abernathy, his control unit now has a key. And... It's a decryption thing that will decrypt something. And so I always thought, oh, it's somebody's consciousness in there, but it sounds like it's just a a key. And we know the title of the season is The Door. So it seems like those two things go together, the key and the door. And at the end of the episode, Bernard tells Charlotte Hale that the control unit is in Sector 16, Zone 4. And that's the coordinates of the valley beyond. We saw that in an episode, the one where we saw that it had been flooded and the host bodies were floating there. And also younger William took Dolores to see, to see that in episode two. So I feel like the door is in the valley and Ford references the door too. You mentioned earlier, you know, you're, you're too just and noble that you're going to be devoured unless we open the door. So, feels like there's a door opening coming here and i was sort of this seems too pedestrian but i was thinking maybe because we've learned that hosts can't leave the park or they have an explosive device that will explode they'll explode that maybe the door will shut that off that's a a good theory um I, i i always feel like they're speaking more metaphorically and that uh-huh. that I sort of felt like this decryption key it would be something less prosaic than that. Yeah, me too. That's I, I think so too. But I don't know what it is. And I don't think we're supposed to because we have three more episodes left. 
who knows maybe the <laughs> writers don't know either i mean the cradle <laughs> just popped up this episode was like it, it just came out came <laughs> out of nowhere i was like the cradle the backup whatever it is it's important to get to this valley bernard says the only hope for the only hope for anyone here is that we get to this valley before the humans and before Dolores. I was a little confused by that because if he knows that Abernathy's control unit is already there, then, or maybe he, he knows it's going there. I don't know. Well, I mean, there's two more episodes. Something obviously happened. And so we know the control unit is... Yeah. Yeah. I mean, is out is out of her hands. No, and I thought another little mystery was of um, dear old dad, Peter Abernathy. You know, they got to have the one tender moment before she cut his brain out, yeah. uh, which is very <laughs> Dolores. But they keep talking about this massive amount of data that is in his control unit uh, and how it's driving him crazy and making him malfunction. And it's too big to copy and all this stuff. And that doesn't just sound like a decryption key. I know. I mean, I think it's a lot of people's consciousnesses for for whatever reason. Yeah, yeah that makes would make more sense. It does. I I felt like yeah, this episode they were saying, well, we know you thought it was that, but it was really this. But maybe maybe it is that. I, another just last comment about since I'm talking about the Valley Beyond is Dolores said to Charlotte Hale, "Your chances at eternity will die in that valley with all the souls you've gathered there." With all the souls you've gathered there makes me wonder if in the valley beyond there's not a repository of consciousnesses that they harvested from the guests. Maybe. Possibly. This is the secrets that still remain. Yeah. <laughs> so that we will watch the next two episodes. And we will. And the <laughs> the um all the hosts dead in the lake. Uh, with Carl Strand and Bernard. Where is that on our timeline? That is... Is that in, still the latest thing this point, that happened? No, I don't think so. I think that is a, in the middle of the current time story. So Bernard wakes up in the beach. That's the first scene of the current time story okay got it and then he's with carl strand and then yeah. that happens and then all and then this other thing happened this yeah. time where they went to the secret house and all that and found the multiple yeah. bernard yeah because then um bernard went back to the mesa and met charlotte and that's when charlotte said oh abernathy slipped through our hands again right which got it. um we just saw this episode we saw that happen yeah so i think the very last thing in the timeline now is uh, Bernard telling Charlotte Hale, you know, we got to go to the to the Valley Beyond. Right. So, I mean, we're going to the Valley Beyond. We're going to go to the Valley Beyond in the past and see what caused the huge lake. Uh, and we're going to go to the Valley Beyond to see where this control unit is in, in the present. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's going to be interesting jumping back and forth between the two, I think. This structure is also playing out on fear the walking dead this season, by the way, it's weird where there's two timelines and you don't really know what happened in between to get from one to the other. And as the season goes along, they, they advance both timelines forward a little bit and you learn a little bit more. So it's interesting that they're doing both. Okay. Jenny, what's your number two? Number two, my number two is secrets revealed exclamation point, but that was your number three. So 
Um, <laughs> we should have talked before. <laughs> so, I mean, yeah, I mean, Bernard being trained by Dolores, I thought was a good one. Uh, Ford being the consciousness. I mean, my pet theory had been that it was Juliet, you know, because I thought maybe William the, wanted to whatever, know why uh, she passed, oh, yeah. a, why she committed You're suicide or something. You're saying what was the control unit that Bern- Ford sent Bernard to print? You're right, right, yeah. right. Um, but it turns out it was Ford, so I was like, oh, okay. But that, I mean, that's still awesome because that means Anthony Hopkins is back. Um, but now there's some new secrets, like how does Dolores know all this? I mean, she she's not yeah. surprised by anything. She's like, yeah, I know what this. She is. knows there's a key in Abernathy's head. She knows that oh, now the company you guys just want to be more like us now. Right. And I think the reason why she can say all that is because. Well, now that the secret has been revealed, then it's okay for everyone to talk about it. But that's a meta, like TV right. show reason. But in story, how does she know that? How does she I, know all that? Questions. And and why is Ford letting her run amok? I mean, like, I mean, he he obviously has his plans. And I'm not sure having her running around blowing things up and shooting people. I'm not quite sure how that's fitting in with his plans right now. And why is she? I mean, why is she so angry? I mean, she's so angry. And then I understand that she's gone through a lot of trauma, but she's also, I mean, when you go through a lot of trauma, one, especially, I mean, I, I liked, I, I think that when you're a host and you go through a lot of trauma, at a, at a certain point you get jaded, right? <laughs> I mean, you're just kind of like, okay, well, I mean, I've, uh, this is kind of odd, but I have had to perform autopsies on people and the first one was traumatic and then the 50th one was a job. Um, so for her, for her to be, uh, why is she still so angry? I mean, she can just reprogram herself. She could just like take that little, uh, iPad and be like, all right, uh, chill. Let's move that up. But, but nope, she's angry for some reason. And I I think think there is a reason. Angry because her people have been severely oppressed and, uh, stepped all over and used and she's just recently woken up to that fact, so it's pretty fresh in her mind. And she's now appointed herself the leader of the charge to reverse that. And if she has, if she uh, was to adjust any of her attributes, she might actually want to turn up that anger in order to help her achieve her goals. But um, how much of that feeds into each other? I mean, like, that's kind of interesting, right? I mean, like, (laughs) you're like, oh, well, I want to be angry, I think. So I make myself more angry. But if you set yourself down to chill, then you might might be like, I should make myself even more chill. It's interesting. You know, you're reminding me of something I've thought about a lot. Like if I had, if a genie came and gave me three wishes, maybe I could just wish, you know what? I wish no matter what's happening, I'm just happy all the time. That way, it does, I mean, like a dog could be eating my foot or something, and I'd be like, oh, look, cute dog. <laughs> I could have some problems to it. <laughs> yeah. That's why we have pain, I guess, so we'll do yeah. something about it. We have pain for a good reason. <laughs> I, I think one thing to remember is that there's always the hand of Ford in this. Um, and Bernard brings that up, like, you know, our free will was bullshit that we didn't really have it and you know you you put Dolores up to killing you uh and he says I didn't compel it but I knew what she would do um so just to remember that Dolores is handpicked by Ford for this whole plan and he knows her personality intimately mhm yeah and he seems on board with it and there was a, also a 
moment where Bernard Ford was telling Bernard to shut down something and he said, well, that then she'll just be able to run amok and kill everybody. And he's like made him do it anyway. And I wasn't even sure what that was about because oh, then I thought maybe that is him turning off whatever fail safes that could, you know, explode the hosts. Maybe. Yep. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, one thing that was funny is when uh, Bernard first woke up from being connected to the simulation and all of a sudden all the mercenary guys and techs and whatever were like, Oh look, all the bugs are gone and all the systems are back online. And I was like, why is Ford turning all that stuff back on? But then I realized, Oh, it's because Ford left the simulation and is now, you know, hijacked onto Bernard and he was the one causing all the trouble, but he's not connected to the network anymore. So it's all fine. Right. And he was fighting back in real time. Yeah, yeah, he was, but not anymore. Okay, David. Uh, so my number two is timelines and stories starting to converge. Uh, so we're kind of getting into the home stretch here towards the end of season two, which is amazing. I feel like it just started. <laughs> um, but so some of these various threads across two timelines are starting to come together again. Um, so we <clears throat> learned now how Peter Abernathy went missing again, uh, which was sort of a big mystery hanging out there uh, that Dolores took the um, control unit and, and the key. Yeah. I guess he didn't really go missing. Did he? He's probably a lifeless husk. Yeah. So when they're talking about, you know, the goods <laughs> or the package, yeah. that's what went missing. We have Bernard and Elsie sort of coming back into the whole Mesa story. We have Ford who back in the game and we actually have Dolores and Maeve meet again under uh, unexpected circumstances, you know, cause I always kind of figured this season there was going to be a showdown between them and that hasn't really happened, even though they've met twice, I guess mm -hmm. there's still time, you know, we'll see what happens with Maeve. Uh, but I, I just enjoy that all these uh, disparate threads are starting to be tied together again. But I do think it's lovely how when they did meet, it kind of highlighted their different approaches towards their freedom. Um, Absolutely. You know, Dolores is very much like, viva la revolution, you know? Right. <laughs> and, and, and Maeve is like, the humanity, yeah. oh, the humanity. So I, I think that might <laughs> actually be a future... Uh, Conflict. Uh, conflict yeah. in the future. But this, in this moment, Dolores was much more respectful and, okay, fine. You know, she repeated that line that was kind of the theme of Maeve's episode last week. Something about, you know, okay, fine, everyone gets to choose their fate or whatever. But I enjoyed seeing Dolores face-to-face -face with Charlotte because the, Char they're both strong characters and Charlotte stood up to her pretty well, considering they played the Terminator music when, <laughs> <I know. laughs> when Dolores is in her, getting in her face, and it's pretty intimidating. Yeah, and she kind of got saved by the bell there. She did, because um, when she pulled out that head saw... Yeah, she was about to drill into her head. And Charlotte started to panic. I think there was even a tear, and she was like, oh, please, please, please. So that was the first time we've ever really seen Charlotte, like... Show a crack. Lose it, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Do you have any more on that? Nope, that's it. Okay. Mine is death and dying because 
I mean, I'm glad you're on Jenny because one of your one of Jenny's criticisms of the show in general has been that she feels like the stakes are kind of low because the host can keep regenerating, so it's not that big of a deal when they die. And this time we see Angela sacrifice herself for the cause and blow up this cradle, which we now know is where they keep all their backups. So to you, does that mean the stakes are higher? If that's true, that if uh, the host control unit gets destroyed, then they're gone for good. It just proves that people always want what they don't have. So, for instance, these are hosts and they have backups and if they're like, no, I want to I want to destroy my backup and just live out, live out, you know, true freedom with no net. And and we humans are like, dude, that'd be awesome to have a backup. Well, yeah, they're both. Having, <laughs> that's what they are doing. The whole point of the park is for the humans to be able to have a backup. Right. And so I'm just kind of like, and oh, they're you guys are idiots. And I don't totally <laughs> buy Dolores's thing of, yeah, we're destroying this because you use that to to use us. And, you know, keep us um, you know, in our loops. And I'm like, well, then you should be in control of it. Don't get rid of it. It's an awesome feature. But that's not what I asked you. I asked you if your criticism of the show not having as many stakes because when the host dies, they can just be brought back if this changes that at all. I, I, I do think it does because now the hosts are really showing themselves to be humans with all of their idiosyncrasies and idiocies. <laughs> and, and, and what about the <laughs> fact that if one of them gets killed, then they may not be able to come back? Does that change your perception of yes, the show? Yes. Now, now that is now they've built that in. I'm just like, okay, that's 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 good. I mean, they've they've upped their stakes. They've taken yeah. away their net. I, I do feel like it was a. I don't know if I buy that reasoning. I and mean, I don't but, buy but that there would still, only be one backup either. It still does not remove the fact that all the previous storylines, you know, the yeah. stakes weren't that high. I mean, yes, no. going forward, the stakes are high. But I mean, in the past, I'm just like, uh. <laughs> <laughs> And I, I don't think we know everything here about what Dolores is up to. Because Charlotte and the human group definitely thought they were coming for the backups. And having the backups would be an advantage. Dolores says the opposite. And... I kind of agree. I don't think we know exactly what she has in mind yet. It uh, it kind of reminds me of what Man in Black did, though, where he wanted the host to be able to kill him in the park. And um, now Dolores caused this action, which makes it so that the stakes are higher for them, too. They're like doing these actions that raise the stakes. Yeah, I agree with Jenny, too. I I thought exactly the same thing. I was like, man, nobody ever wants what they have. (laughs) Right. The humans are trying to be hosts. The hosts are trying to be human. No, you know, just get together on this thing. (laughs) Uh, So, Angela, if, you know, we can take it at face value, which we can't. But anyway, she may be gone. And she really did sacrifice herself for the cause. And she kind of explicated her personality and it was, it was charming, but it was a little too straightforward, sweet, but not boring, smart, but not intimidating, all that kind of stuff. But then I did like when she talked about her cornerstone, you know what my cornerstone is? My only drive, leaving them wanting more. Welcome to Westworld. Boom. (laughs) (laughs) So that, that was a pretty good dramatic moment. But I do wonder if her cornerstone was leaving them wanting more, then what would that have meant for young William if he had taken up on her offer when he first entered the park that apparently he would have been left wanting more? 
you know, you can program someone to be like that. It doesn't might not work with everyone. What do you mean? Well, you know, uh, a certain person might leave. A certain program might leave someone wanting more and another person not wanting more because we're all different. We're all different. I think most most of us would want more. <laughs> of Angela. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I will concede that. <laughs> and, anyway, even you might. Um, okay. Then death and dying. So there is the scene with Man in Black and Maeve, which is a echo of when they first met, which I had to go back and look to remember, but man in black had found out that his wife killed herself and his daughter blamed it on him saying it was the sheer terror of living with you that drove her to die. And so he went to Westworld to apparently create a test of his own potential for evil because that's what this place does. Right. He told Teddy, it reveals your true self. And so he decided to go in and just kill a couple of innocent people, a mother and and daughter. And that's um, what caused Maeve to really spin out and start kind of uh, of going her own path. Yeah. That's when she entered the maze. Basically, she's that's when she was in the lab and starting to tweak out a little bit and become a little bit aware. And I think that's also when they decided to move her to the brothel. Mm -hmm. Let's put her in a different environment. So anyways, uh, Maeve in this time shoots man in black a couple of times and then telepathically controls her, his buddies to shoot him some more. And, uh, I think Lawrence was about to shoot him in the head, but then, um, Lee or somebody came in and it was another Calvary situation. I forget. I think it was the Mercs. It was just the, Oh yeah, yeah. Yeah. The mercenaries. Yeah. So anyways, do you guys think that he's dead? Of course not. He, you know, they, they showed a shot of him, you know, kind of moved up against the wall and, you know, groaning and moving. So It's ridiculous. What? I know. He's, he was shot like six times yeah. in, in the thorax. I mean, come on. <laughs> um. <laughs> he should be dead. And, and I was going to be interested to see how the writers get themselves out of this one. Uh, and they're often in this show, there can be more than meets the eye. I mean, mm-hmm. he could be a host or he could... You know, who knows what, but he definitely got shot enough times to be dead. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, man. I, yeah, I don't know. I I mean, he got shot in the chest. The last one was right in the chest. I know. I hope they, they do it in a satisfying way because I I don't think he's dead either. Yeah. But this is just TV because they, they need to shoot him in the chest for it to look good. In, In reality, you could do the same story. Just have him shot in the leg or the foot. The shoulder five times. <laughs> I mean, maybe there's going to be a resurrection of the Man in Black somehow. Oh yeah, uh, with a copy or or some right. such. Uh, even if he does die, I mean, I I would not be shocked that Ed Harris at some point would be like, okay, I got other things to do, um, but I can't imagine them just ending his storyline there in such an unsatisfying way. Oh right. no, he's 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 coming back. I mean, he might still die this season, but he's 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 not done that for this season. Yeah. yeah, that you're right. That doesn't feel like a stick the landing and with his, his character. His daughter's still wandering. I mean, out there. he was screaming out because he keeps thinking everything is Ford, you know, right. uh, which was kind of cute. But he's like, I, Ford, you know, damn well this is not the way that you want me to die. He I get, I get your message for him. That's what yeah, I think is it's hilarious. All centered around him. <laughs> 
Yeah. Uh, so Clementine may be dead. She got shot by the mercenaries, not in the brain though. And that made me think about how the hosts often get shot in Westworld before this rebellion ever happened. And then they just fix them up and send them back out into the park. But then it made me wonder, Oh, do they like upload a fresh copy of their backup? I don't think so because then they wouldn't remember like these hosts are remembering their past lives. So there must be, no, no, no. That you can upload a fresh copy of of the backup, but you know, I mean, the memories could still it's not still be there, right? It yeah, might not okay. be overwritten. Yeah, I think you're right about that. Actually, not until they defragment. And then Abernathy. I don't know. I feel like of all the people we've seen so far, Abernathy might be the one that we don't see again. This might be his end. His end. So a lot of potential death, but with this show, you can never tell for sure if anybody's really gone. Yeah, that is true. Jenny. Oh, my number one? Mm-hmm. My number one is the same as um, David's number two, which is everybody got together. Stories all came together. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I mean, yeah, everyone just got together. They all went to the Mesa and had a big party. Um, so, so that was kind of cool because, you know, everything was kind of scattering into really interesting storylines, but it was good to pull them all together. Yeah, bring it in, people. yeah we kind of already talked all that through yeah okay david uh so my number one has also been talked about already but i just have a couple more things to say about it uh and that was this whole scene with angela to riley uh blowing up the cradle Mm -hmm. and really what i loved about it um and again i didn't feel surprised like i thought it was in some way intended a surprise and you could sort of see it coming but it was still great and it sort of summed up the entire show in one scene, um, the entire story arc of the two seasons. It's like this um, this human who doesn't really know what's going on is seduced by her, which is sort of a analogy for being seduced by the park. Um, and she seems so perfect uh, and attractive, but really has a totally different and more savage purpose in mind. Yeah. And and the whole thing, as from the human perspective, goes completely off the rails and is unexpected. And uh, it just kind of summed up the entire show. Yeah, like if there was a punk song called These Violent Delights Have Violent Ends, they could have just played that and then have the series be over. <laughs> yeah, that, that could have been the whole thing, just a five-minute short. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And she And she is good at seducing people this whole park is that's the whole point of it so yeah yeah. and she's sort of the head seductress i mean that's her role and you get the idea that that this guy has no chance like he's just up against a higher level Mm -hmm. do you think that she did sacrifice herself for the cause i think she did seemed like it yeah i think um as Jenny says, it's Viva la Revolucion, and she's the mm-hmm. you know Che Guevara to um, <laughs> to Dolores's Fidel, and I think she went out in a blaze <laughs> of glory. Yeah, and it, Dolores's meeting with Maeve there, where she echoed Ford and her sentiments that you know basically if you're too sentimental, then you're gonna be devoured, and that just brought home a little bit more to me why. Dolores is killing a lot of hosts because I think she just 
feels like they're not revolution material. They're not revolutionary material. And, and she's putting them out of their misery. That's what she offered to do for Maeve. Like, if you're not with us, then you're going to be used by the humans and you'd be better off dead. Right. I mean, she, and she changed her boyfriend. She uh, turned him into revolutionary material, right. which, which I thought was just, I don't know if you guys talked about it in a previous episode, but I was just like, really? After sex, you do that? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, like, it's like, oh, honey, um, this is for the revolution. Really? I was thinking he reminds me a little bit of Man in Black because we saw him in the beginning as this wide-eyed, you know, what do you call it? When someone naive puts their cape or their coat down on a puddle, chivalrous, Uh chivalrous dude. And that's how Teddy was. And they both turned dark, but, and they both, it both had to do with Dolores, although she was much more active with Teddy than Man in Black. You can't really blame her for that. Things have not turned out very well for anyone associated with Dolores. I mean, it's not really going well for Bernard. It's not really going well for Teddy. Um, Peter, yeah, Ab- Peter, so Peter Abernathy had his brain stolen. Um, yeah, it doesn't really go well for anyone that is with her. <laughs> I, mean, I do wonder, like, is she... I mean, is this who she is? I mean, they keep saying she has free will, and in her free will, she has shot all these people. Or is she just programmed to be very aggressive? Um. Yeah. And there's a gray area there that David and I have sort of talked around how it applies to people as well. Like how much can you attribute what is free will and how much of that is just like we just said, you know, nature versus nurture. Right. (laughs) I mean, yeah. and, And I always wonder, like, if you could change your own personality, if you actually could like Dungeons and Dragons and you, you can see your charisma points and your health points and all that stuff and you could actually change that like right what would you do what would you what do what would you do <laughs> uh, I would just do it really slowly like one point at a time <laughs> see, how, see how it goes see how it feels right. see if it feels Let's right see if I'm a little dumber today am I a little happier <laughs> podcasting ability to the max <laughs> to the max turn it up to 11 um so my number one is Ford, which we've talked a lot about. One particular thing that I thought was interesting is that he compared himself to James Delos. And he said, I can function here in the simulation, but not, but in the real world, I would degrade or go mad in a matter of days. And so that made me question, like, why? Why what? Why would he, why is he okay in this cradle in the cradle but not in the real world and it like is it that the real world is too complicated and he's actually yes primitive that's it because your programming is still too shitty to survive the real world and that means that it's not actually ford because ford could survive in the real world but also how he's in a host right now he's in bernard he's not Bernard he's like kind of Bernard's id or something his super ego and yet he's able to be outside of the cradle and inside this host head and he can actually control him so I don't know it seems a little sketchy that you could he could do that but he could not I mean I could see you know what I'm saying I I could see myself doing that if I was like becoming demented I'd be like yeah even this like 
not ideal programmed version of me is still better than this demented self of mine. Um, but, you know, he was kind of at the top of his game when he let himself get shot by Dolores. Yeah, so. and I, I, I think a couple things about this. Um, one is that it, it it's just cracks me up that he's contemptuous of the company. He's like, eh, these guys don't know what they're doing. Their, their thing doesn't work. It's their crappy software. So that was kind of funny. <laughs> uh-huh. um, but I, I think the second point you brought up is right. And we have no indication that the this arrangement with Bernard is going to be able to last. You know, I think he has a particular yeah. purpose. And we're in that environment of the cradle. If that can be more permanent for him because he has control of it or different nature of the processing power or whatever. Right. I think by transferring it into Bernard, he's doing that to do something specific. So maybe he has a limited time before yeah. he actually will degrade. Yeah. And then the other one is um, a, a good cryptic comment that he threw in there um, where Bernard's like, you said you were going to give us free will. And he, he says, yeah, but you have no use for it unless I take it away from you. And then he raised his hand in this like super right. villain kind of way almost, which I loved, and then that like faded to black. Right, super moment. menacing, but um, <laughs> but that it left totally unanswered like what he's gonna do, what the purpose. That's is. true. Yeah, I mean, I felt like at one point Bernard said, "Why are you here?" And he said something about, um, let's see, Bernard said something about how you know that we can't escape. And Ford was like, can you not? Or something like that. So it made me feel like Ford's purpose right now is to help them escape. But he is always about control. I mean, he just, poor Bernard. I mean, he's got him under his thumb. Mm-hmm. Just the way he created his simulacrums of his family. I mean, I don't know if I am reading him right, but it always has felt to me in season one and now that he has this ideal of creating life that he will that will then be self-willed, but he just can't get over his own sense of superiority and his need for control, and those things battle with each other. You know, like... He, he, I mean, I felt like the reason why he had Dolores shoot him is because he felt like his creations couldn't truly be self willed unless their God was dead. But then he created this back door. Yeah. And he also gave that whole speech about um, God knowing his creation would eventually be destroyed. And I said he's talking about himself, but he also could be saying, talking about the destruction of humanity. Um, which, He's talking about himself, man. I mean, God yeah. is just like, what? <laughs> no, nothing I make is being destroyed, or if it's being destroyed, it's because I want it to be destroyed. Yeah, but he might. God has no loss of self confidence. But I, I think he's also talking ultimately about the destruction of all of humanity, um, for which he has great contempt. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. So that was an indicator to me whatever is going to go on in this show, it's going to go beyond the park. Yeah, and I do think they will perfect uh, creating hosts based on humans. You know, right now they degrade, but I think by the time the series is over, if it doesn't get canceled due to low ratings or something, (laughs) they'll figure that out. (laughs) 
Uh, okay, anything else? What about notes? Anything else? Notes. Um, I was just curious what you guys think about Maeve's new telepathic powers, whether it seems too Mary Sue-ish, because for me, that's how it felt. I was just like, what? Now she has telepathic powers? I mean, come on. I'm not sure if it adds to the story. It just, it just, it just adds like, oh, now we're going to have a nice bloody scene. Bloody scene. <laughs> Enter here. I dig it. I think it's um, fun to watch. And it seems like a Wi-Fi thing to me. Okay. That presents itself as a tele- telepathy because it's she looks like a person, but she's really a robot. But, I mean, do you think they'll explain it in, in any way in the future? I mean, like, I can't think of an explanation why she now has this telepathic power. I think because she took control of herself when she had control of her attributes and raised all her attributes, and she became like Ford, where she learned how to, the commands to give, and, you know, he could do the same thing. He can just know exactly how to command them so that they'll do his bidding. But he still has to talk. Or he can make motions too, but that's the thing: is she doesn't need to talk because she has. They're all networked together. Oh, okay. That, that could explain it. That they're all in a network. So yeah, Wi-Fi. We're, so we're assuming that Wi-Fi network is still running. Yeah, I agree with you, Jenny. Though, I I, I think we're still going to get more on this, um, and that based on that Lee Sizemore rescue and hey, she's different. We need her. So I think more is still going to happen with that whole ability. And I hope it does, because so far it's unsatisfying in the story. Hasn't really added much. What else? Well, we'll see where her daughter is. I mean, I do think that the uh, Native Americans obviously are not the evil people that she thinks that they are Mm -hmm. from her PTSD memories. So um, it was interesting to see her definitely break down and just revert to her previous self <laughs> in this situation. So yeah. PTSD moment. <laughs> she's else? been so strong for the rest of the, for the season. And suddenly she's just like, you know, kind of doing predictable stuff. Yeah. And I like that because that's how we are. If you have a trauma that you can, it can be triggered and you can right. revert back to your previous unhealthy behaviors or feelings or whatever. David? Um, I got just a few. One was Terminator Teddy. That was instantly both of our reactions. Like, hey, it's the Terminator. <laughs> it's Terminator Teddy, even with a almost 80s sort of hairstyle. Yeah. Um, he's less fun this way. I liked him more when he uh, had empathy. You didn't like when he was punching that guy in the face? He kind of looked times. like the Terminator there, too. It was very mechanical. <laughs> So you could see where they've turned up his uh, attributes. I wonder, yeah, what um, what's the guy's name? Coughlin. No, the actor that plays oh, Teddy. Oh, James Marsden? Yeah, because he was defending how, because people think Teddy's kind of milk toast. Yeah. And in an interview, he was defending how interesting that is to him. I wonder if he would defend Terminator Teddy. <laughs> well, his Terminator attributes have been Teddy changed, and- so he wouldn't defend it now. And dainty Terminator underwear wearing Dolores. Right. Yeah, she's she's a Terminator too. Another one was it, uh, in case you weren't quite getting how terrible humans are, we uh, we did a freeze frame on the magic iPad while they were torturing Bernard. 
waterboarding him or like yeah. simulating waterboarding. Waterboard. And and you're just like, why would anybody even create this program? Like, why would you need to do this um, to a host? Yeah, can't you just go into the ho- into the code? I mean, right. duh. pull it out. <laughs> they can't apparently. Yeah, but um, so the the options are crushing, denailing, disembowelment, electrical injury, foot whipping, force feeding, kneecapping, medical torture, pharmacological torture, <laughs> scalping, solitary confinement, standing cell, and waterboarding. Solitary <gasps> confinement. I want to see that one. No tickling? Like they're all standing around him and he's just like, I'm so lonely. Do you guys remember that episode of, of uh, Black no Mirror? Tickling. Where people could create a sort of second version of themselves to do all their shitty tasks, but the, it's just in their mind. And then John Hamm would abandon them there they, if they weren't cooperating. Okay, I'll see you in 30 days. It's just like oh, an empty yeah, white yeah, room. Yeah. <laughs> I think they, the writers are sadistic and horrible people. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but that was disturbing. I looked at it. I was like, wow. Um, and then my last one is, and Jenny just mentioned it, Ghost Nation. They just always pop up at interesting times and do some random thing. Um, I'm really convinced that there is some major role that they are going to play in whatever happens. Yeah. Well, I hope that listeners will forgive me for this, but uh, I'm going to talk a little bit about what's going on next week. I don't know anything. I only know the episode title and the short description, basically. So I'm going to say that. If you don't want to hear that, skip ahead a couple of minutes. So Westworld Season 2, Episode 8 is called Kiksuya, and it looks to be centered around Ghost Nation. Kiksuya is Lakota for Remember, and the description is Kiksuya Akasheda travels through Westworld searching for his lost love and uncovering the truth of his existence. And I also read that there's going to be some uh, music by this classical composer, Chickasaw Indian composer, Jared Impi Cha Cha Ha Tate. So they're doing some Indian music. So anyway, I think next week is going to be a Ghost Nation heavy episode. Oh, and I'm excited about that because awesome. yeah, we've been wondering about it. I am yeah. too. That's totally different. I love the new. music. Jenny used to work on a, on a reservation for a little while. Oh. Yes, I worked on... Um, uh, the uh, was it? It was the Rosebud Reservation in South Dakota. So that's Lakota Sioux, um, and it's I, I always find the Indian or Native American communities are a whole different world. So yeah. I'm kind of interested to see what they're going to do. Me too, absolutely. Oh, and the music is always amazing. They mm. have amazing music. I mean, powwow music is is just I don't know. It just takes you to a different world. Did you like go to powwows when you were doing that? Um, a couple. Cool. But I haven't been to one in twenty years, and I probably should go again. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe don't consume whatever you consume. No, just kidding. Um, <laughs> um, that yeah, that it also the last one I was gonna say was um, Karen pointed this out. It's those magic iPads, like if you freeze it and look at the screenshot, there's mm-hmm. stuff right to the edge of the screen. Um, you'd have to be really careful how you held 
one of those things. Oh, shoot. <laughs> I just waterboarded that guy by accident. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. I stuck him in solitary confinement for 10 years. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Sorry, Bernard. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> All right. Let's see. Do I have any? Um, oh, you know, um, so these guys came in and shot up Maeve. And David, we forgot to mention because a couple of episodes ago, when they first went to Shogun World, we saw Lee kind of step over to the side and grab that communicator. Mm-hmm. And then last episode, we saw him when when he was with Felix and Sylvester. He called in support, so he I think he was using that thing. And then this time, we see them all come in and just start shooting the place up. So I think they probably came because Lee called them. It's just a little thing, but you know, I think you're right. I think that's why they yeah. showed up. That was worth mentioning. Um, let's see. Maeve, she caused Lawrence to remember the bad things that Man in Black did to him. Killed his wife was the big one. Uh, but she already couldn't control him because he was awake. So, But it seemed like she just woke him up. So I don't know. Maybe he was awake but not totally aware or something like that. I don't know. Or couldn't sort out his memories. Yeah. That's all I got. Did we ever talk about the title? Oh yeah, who wh- who was skinned in this? Laissez corset in French is flayed. Um, so in reading about the title, I read that it also can refer to a drawing or representation of a human body, like without the skin. So mm. you know, with just the muscles and the bones and like stuff, like a like an anatomy book. Yeah. Mm. So I kind of took it more to mean that and you know maybe the analogy is we're seeing these creatures now with their underlying nature Hmm. and the skin has been removed yeah to to see what they really are right but it's kind of like the the magic 3d printer when it starts making one of the hosts I, mm-hmm. That would be a version of an escrochet. Yeah, that's the first thing I thought of, or yeah. those drones. Um, speaking of that, I was reading a little bit this week, and one article mentioned that when we were first down in Ford's secret lab when Teresa was there and Ford made Bernard kill her, that Ford had been printing one of those uh, hosts, and we didn't now when we went back in there we didn't see it so maybe that's something you know that he was printing a body for himself or something like that i assumed it was another bernard but that could be completely Mm. wrong i would print lots of cute little babies (laughs) and pandas (laughs) there's a baby in the opening credits yeah that's new this season yeah but next year might be pandas (laughs) (laughs) little kittens you know three day old kittens oh my gosh all right i think that's gonna be it for this week let's take a little break there is more to come so stay with us you are my little panda bear little panda bear i love you yes i do and all the funny things you do i love you Yes, I do. You are my little panda bear. Panda bears are rare. Yes, it's true. There's only a few and there's no other one like you. I love you. Yes, I do. (laughs) 
All right, time for the news. Just one little thing this week. Not a lot of Westworld news, but Hollywood Reporter interviewed Jeffrey Wright, who plays Bernard, and a couple of things I thought were interesting. They said, you learned early on in season one that Bernard was both a host and that you would also be playing Arnold. Your arc this season has been very elaborate. How much were you clued in on your overall journey at the start of the year, especially in terms of tracking the different timelines? He says, the timelines were pretty clear in my head. They were pretty well charted out at the start of production. That said, I mean, I'm glad it's clear for him because it's not totally still clear for me. But anyways, that said, it took a fair amount of mathematical thinking to keep track as the narratives weave in and out of one another. That was fairly tricky stuff. As far as the overall framework of the timelines, that was pretty clear. I was not, however, given a great deal of information at the start of the season to to fill me in as to where we were going. Part of the reason for that was to keep me in line with Bernard's disorientation to some extent, I think. But with that said, there was one element that gave me a bit more insight. Working with Tony, meaning Anthony Hopkins, we filmed all of Tony's scenes right out of the gate. The first four or five weeks of filming, I had shot scenes from all over the season. So I guess they brought in Anthony Hopkins and filmed his scenes all at the beginning. Maybe he had limited availability. I could see that. I mean, he's like coming that. from England or something like yeah. that. Yeah, I think he it's can write his own ticket. Yeah. <laughs> if you want me to be in this, two weeks. Uh, then they asked Ford's executed at the end of the first season, and now we know he's not quite as dead as we once assumed. How did you react when you learned about his return to the show? He goes, my first reaction was, yeah, of course, let's get at it. It's such great news. Tony's the type of actor that every actor wants to work with. He occupies an almost singular space in our profession in terms of having a career that tracks from Lawrence Olivier to Westworld. That's a pretty big sweep across the ocean. He's got an incredible Westworld-sized reservoir of stories about that journey, which is just fascinating. As well, he likes to dig into politics and history and the like. We have a good time on both sides of the camera. Oh, I, I, so he I, obviously loves him. I, I presume it would be amazing to work with Anthony Hopkins. Yeah. <laughs> come, oh, I Anthony mean, Hopkins, come to work with me, and we can uh, uh, look at slides together. <laughs> yeah, I mean, in, in sports, we talk about there being Hall of Famers, and then there are like the true great Hall of Famers. Anthony Hopkins is one of those, like the very few elite movie. Actors. What stands out for you guys? When you think of him, what role? Well, there's Silence of the Lambs. Yeah, that's what stands out for me, <laughs> Silence of the Lambs. I, I think mean, it's I hard to think about him without thinking about yeah, that one. That's a big one. That's so good. Actually, I want to go back and watch that, but I love that movie. I mean, yeah, and I'm not saying he's great in everything, but that for me, that's the one that really I, I stands saw out. I him in Remains of the Day and yeah. Shadowlands. Yeah, um, Remains of the Day was great. Shadowlands was amazing. Um, Hitchcock. Hmm. I didn't know he did that. That sounds interesting. Yeah. He was Hitchcock? Yeah. Oh, man. I got to see that. That's cool. All right. Let's move on to listener feedback. Jenny, would you like to go first? All right. Jillian Moreau says, Yowza, that episode was jam-packed. So much goodness. I think this was probably my favorite of the season so far. Is the Man in Black dead? I mean, who can survive that many gunshots with no treatment and still be fine? A very, very Ed lucky Harris. person. <laughs> Ed Harris is pretty a, tough. A host, a host can survive. That's who. 
um, what kind of what kind of facial expression is that on that emoji? Thinking. A thinking, a very thoughtful <laughs> emoji. Hmm. I was a little nervous for Stubbs' well-being in that basement, and that room full of Bernards was freaky. And Teddy, damn dude, I think you got him. <laughs> That's when he was punching that dude oh, okay. 12 times. <laughs> it was fun to see Ford again, too. I'm still not quite following the timelines, but I'm sure that will come together by the end of the season. Keep up the great work, guys. Yeah, I kind of figured that, too. Like, uh, uh, don't work your brain too hard. By the end of the season, it'll all come together. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I I like to throw out guesses, but whatever. I'm like, I, I know I don't know, and I can't wait to find out for sure. Right. Diana says, finding out that it was actually the guests that were being studied was just amazing to hear. Mm-hmm. Kind of got hints of that, but this was really just bringing it home. Michael Darwin says, wow, Ford is Bernard. He claims to have turned the story over to the host, but he hasn't taken both hands off the wheel, has he? And what is to become of Maeve and William? Appropriately enough, their fate still entwined, both ending the episode riddled with bullets clinging to life. Yeah, I like that they're, they brought that brought it back to that. This was one of the best episodes yet. So many players revealing their hands, but I feel there are still a few cards yet to be played. Bring on the ghost nation. Amen. John Hauser says, This whole season I'm watching and thinking that Bernard is in multiple timelines and we're jumping around, but in fact, there are multiple Bernards and everything is happening simultaneously. Wait, maybe not. (laughs) I can never predict right on these things. We feel you. Uh, I think you're totally wrong, John, but I'm happy you wrote it. <laughs> you may be right, actually. That's a thing. I don't even know. Sarah Larkham says, we have major deaths. Angela, Abernathy, maybe Maeve. It was bold to have many deaths in one episode. It didn't feel predictable like other shows. Yeah, now that the cradle's gone, you worry a little bit. I, I still feel like if the cradle is the only backup and it's gone that still if you kill a host and you don't it's like a zombie you don't get the brain then they can be revived That's uh, what I, think. I mean i think they were trying to get at that when they said oh now people have this sort of like neural element in their head and it has fluid and if you destroy it then they're truly dead yeah and it didn't seem to quite have the power but once they talked about the backup being destroyed i was like oh that's good yeah that's good yeah that works that I, I believe that yeah Mandy Castillo says, I'm so glad William is mortally wounded. It's about bloody time. No pun intended. He is kind of annoying sometimes. (laughs) From Robin Cooper Simon. Wow. I don't even know what to say about this one. Can't wait for you guys to make sense of it for me. No pressure. Robin, we're sorry we let you down. I was just going to (laughs) say. We apologize. We have one email. It's from Mark Kirkman. And it says, hi, David and Jason. This episode was so cool to watch. Finally coming to the realization that Delos was in the business to create some sort of immortality for anyone with a wallet. Hey, I have a wallet. In the original Westworld pilot in the early 80s, they were making hosts as replicas of people of importance. But with this show, it seems to be more about immortality. Maybe. Maybe. People with money seem to want to live forever as a host and will pay for that benefit. The hosts are saying that the humans want their lives and be able to live on like they do with just minimal reconstruction or re-downloading of their life. 
Whether or not the human soul can be replicated is another thing that will have to be explored. I don't know. Do you believe in the human soul? That is a question for another podcast that we're starting up called Religiosity. (laughs) (laughs) How many angels dance on the head of a pin? I used to believe in it, and then some bad stuff happened. (laughs) So not anymore. All right, that is our show, episode 12. Thank you for listening, everybody. Thanks for joining in, Jenny. I'm glad you could join in. Thank you, Jenny. Um, Jenny's like frantically fishing for her uh, for script her line. and not <laughs> saying thank you for having me on. Thank you for having me on. This was you a can lot of this fun. <laughs> yeah. um, it, it's always good to correct all of your misguided theories about how this Appreciate show it. is all about. <laughs> If you want to get in touch with this podcast, you can email us at westworld at podcastica.com. Or you can send a voice message to westworld at podcastica.com, and maybe we will play it on the air. You can find us on the web at facebook.com slash westworldcast. And of course, be sure to check out our other shows at podcastica.com. How many times have you guys heard me say that and you didn't go straight to a web browser, type it in and check it out? Well, now's your chance. Because we're at the end of the podcast, so you don't have anything to do. Yeah. Podcastica.com. This is that moment where you're looking this is for it. something to do. And that's a good thing to do. <laughs> Next week, as I mentioned, Westworld Season 2, Episode 8, Kiksuya, all about the ghost nation. Looking forward to that one. All right, that is our show. Thanks for listening. Your free will, that most beautiful, most elusive force in the universe, is, as I told you, a mistake. Oh, oh man. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place by working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies, we keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success.